0: Welcome to Forging Plowshares. We hope you enjoy this conversation and are challenged by it. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. All right, in this series, I'd like to begin talking about Kitado Mishida and Martin Heidegger, which may seem like an odd combination, but... What I think we see in the development of thought in the 20th century and in these two key thinkers is a convergence upon a singular idea. It's not that they are working in isolation from one another. Heidegger, as recent. Books have pointed out is in fact reading not only Nishida but is using Zen Buddhist sources along with other sources in his own thought. And of course, Nishida is himself working within a Japanese frame, but he is unusual in Japan in that he's trying to describe a Zen Buddhist understanding for a. Western audience, or or if not for, at least within a Western framework. And I think that both then are philosophically, not just philosophically interesting, a reflection of perhaps the height of Japanese thought and Western thought in Heidegger. But there is something, I, I think, that, that is just universally interesting and true not true in a singular or straightforward sense, in the sense that, oh, they've nailed it. but in a sense, they're illustrating what I think is the primary problem in the human condition, that uh, they're hitting upon the what I would call a kind of coherence of a nihilistic framework. It's uh, stated, you know in a positive sense in a Hegelian sense in both of them in which nothing you know as an idolatry is made into an absolute something and nihilism nothing functions in in this way and of course to say nihilism we may be using the term in a broader sense than it's it's usually used and what I mean here is not a straightforward philosophical nihilism but I just mean this idea that, Nihilism may in fact express itself in a positive form in that it imagines that in getting a hold of nothing it's gotten gotten a hold of an absolute something. I think this is the significance of postmodern thought, maybe the significance, uh, especially of Foucault and Derrida, that they've hit upon uh, recognition of the role, you know, in, uh, of Cora of, of the, the page as kind of a blank page of the forms in a Platonic sense or in recognizing that death and nothingness are playing a, a role like being has uh, traditionally played in philosophical thought. I may have encountered this in uh, England. I think that it has been well stated by Connor Cunningham in his book, Genealogy of Nihilism. He describes in in some detail, and at length he goes through key figures of the 20th century thought, and describes the sense in which there is a kind of inability or incapacity to get a a understanding of what thinking is or the thought of thinking as if there is a kind of essence to thinking itself. That in, in all of this that there is a, an implicit nihilism, not so much an explicit form of nihilism. And of course in my own work with uh, Slavoj Žižek and Jacques Lacan, this is precisely what they've come down to. Nothingness or absence or death serves as the foundation to, to human thought and human personality in the form of a kind of deception. That, that there is an absence and this absence is what they call Freud, it's called death drive or what they're going to call the real. It, and Kant had already seen this. He, he says that thought does not render self-present and self-transparent the thing which thinks, and of course Kant is here reflecting upon the Cartesian cogito I think, therefore I am. He says what is lost thereby is the topological discord between the form I think and the substance which thinks. This is Zizek's description, I believe, here. And so Kant exposes the Cartesian subject as nothing more than a kind of vanishing mediator, a logical construct, that in positing its own absoluteness necessarily falls beyond any kind of experiential reality. And this is always my suspicion of a kind the kind of apophaticism or mysticism. I think there's a bad mysticism. That is going to come out in both East and West, and certainly it's there in Zen Buddhist thinking. Nishida is going to talk about the human self as the individual is a self-negation of the absolute. But the more it is consciously self-forming through its own dynamic expression, I'm quoting Nishida, that is volitional and personal, the more it discovers its own absolute negation in its bottomlessly contradictory depths, and thus faces an absolute one, faces God as God's own mirror image and opposite. I will read here in a moment Heidegger's picture in his notion of nihilism that is almost a direct reflection of this, that as we reach self-negation, the absence of, of self, in a sense, the Taken to be the absolute. Absolute absence becomes the substitute for an absolute self-presence. As Heidegger put it in the article, What is Metaphysics? We assert that the nothing is more original than the not and negation. The nothing in John Macquarie's picture is beyond beings. Almost what some of the Neoplatonists call hyperousia. Hyper being that is nothingness in the same sense as Nishida is describing, and of course coming from a very different tradition. And and my point here is that East it doesn't matter anymore whether we're in the East and West. East and West are converging on a singular thought, and this is the thought of of nothingness. Heidegger describes it holding itself out into the nothing. Sign is in every case beyond beings as a whole. This being beyond beings we call transcendence. And so the only true form of transcendence is complete negation and nothingness. He says the possibility of negation is an act of intellect, and thereby the intellect itself are somehow dependent upon the nothing. Heidegger, of course, is reading both Hegel and Kierkegaard, talking in a kind of Kierkegaardian sense about anxiety. He says, anxiety is when we get no hold on things. In the slipping away of being, this no hold on things comes over us and remains. Anxiety reveals the nothing. The I slips away with the beings. But as I slips away with the beings, being emerges, and so in a very real sense, Heidegger's what is metaphysics? His whole point about distinguishing between being, big B being, and beings, little b being, is tracing a, a, a form of thought that is just reduplicated in a, a Zen Buddhist understanding in the altogether unsettling experience of this hovering where there is nothing to hold on to. Pure Dasein is all that is still there. He says there is a loss of speech as all utterance of the is falls silent. We remember that that for which we were anxious was properly nothing. Indeed, the nothing itself as such was there. And should we lose track of what we're doing here, this all gets very abstract and uh, we might think that we're floating off into a kind of harmless or banal sort of thought. But of course, my point with both Heidegger and Nishida is revealed in their political leanings. Of course, Heidegger is a supporter of Adolf Hitler, he's active in National Socialism, he you know, becomes the rector of the university and is actively persecuting Jews. Heidegger is not doing this as a departure from the precise understanding that we're describing here. It is an out, that this is an outflow. And so too with the Kyoto School in Japan supporting a kind of right-wing militarism and fascism. I don't think it's accidental that these two thinkers arise at a time perhaps in which the greatest evil in the history of the world is also arising. And that their thought, then, is Nishida, you know, in Japan, is just as much a kind of rock and roll star as Heidegger is in Germany. They are the key thinkers, I think, of their time, and reflective of the evil of the time. Heidegger says, how is it with the nothing? He says, the goal is to get a grip on the nothing, revealed there as it makes itself known. Anxiety is not itself getting a grip. It is the experience of a slipping away of the whole. It is nihilation, not annihilation or negation, which would make nothing dependent on beings. The nothing itself nihilates. And of course, what is meant here by nihilates is a positive kind of creative force that in both Heidegger and Nishida is that which brings out the true essence of beings that the the annihilating force is a creative force on the order of a positive creation. And to get to the true essence of self, then, is to get to this force which discloses, Heidegger says, these beings in their full, but heretofore concealed strangeness as what is radically other with respect to the nothing. He says, in the clear night of the nothing, of anxiety, the original openness of beings as such arises, that they are beings and not nothing. But they are only, he said, you know, the point is that they are only something over as over and against this nothing. It is this dialectic in which they have being. He says, Dasein means being held out into the nothing, this true essence, the nothing, reveals to us all that is and the way in which it is. It makes possible in advance the revelation of beings in general. It brings Dasein for the first time before beings as such. And so he's speaking of the nothing as the original revelation. And in this original revelation, we understand that human existence penetrates what true being is. As Dasein is held out into the nothing, it attains transcendence or realizes transcendence over beings. And this being beyond beings is transcendence. And so it is this transcendence which relates Dasein to itself and all beings. The transcendence, of course, is a, in Japanese philosophy, is a kind of trans descendence, it's a descendence into or beneath being. If in the ground of its essence Dasein were not transcending, which now means if it were not in advance holding itself out into the nothing, then it could never be related to beings, nor even to itself. Without the original revelation of the nothing, there is, for Heidegger, no selfhood, no freedom. For Heidegger, all thinking then arises out of the annihilating force what he calls the knot uh, it's not that we create this knot and of course that's the I think the departure from a, a Judeo-Christian understanding is to imagine that this not, this annihilation, is itself the basic thing available to thought. Well, in a certain kind of thought, that may be the case, but it is, I think, ultimately evil in an Augustinian understanding. He says the knot does not originate through negation. Rather, negation is grounded in the not that springs from the annihilation of the nothing. He's picturing this as a force, the force of thought, the force underlying being. For negation cannot claim to be either the soul or the leading annihilative behavior in which the sign remains shaken by the annihilation of the nothing. Unyielding antagonism and stinging rebuke have a more abysmal source than the measured negation of thought. Pure being and pure nothing are therefore the same. Being itself is essentially finite and reveals itself only in the transcendence of Dasein, which is held out into the nothing. And his conclusion, from the nothing, all beings as beings come to be. Here is uncreation. Here is, I think, the ground for a pure evil. He says, assuming that the question of being as such is the encompassing question of metaphysics, the question of the nothing proves to be such that it embraces the whole of metaphysics. Nishida will uh, come to a very similar form of expression, and it is a bit of an abstraction, but of course in Nishida you're also dealing with the practices of a Zen Buddhist form of meditation, and so this is not pure philosophical abstraction, but there is then, I think, in both the picture of an encounter with pure nothingness as if it is something. That is, here is a philosophical nihilism made into a form of religion or a form of idolatry. Nishida begins with what he calls an a evolution. He says the conscious world expresses itself within itself, It forms itself by expressing itself. Think here of Cartesian cogita made true. He says the biological world already begins to exhibit the structure and its movement from the formed to the forming as a system of the contradictory identity of its temporal and spatial functions. The self-conscious world, then, of each individual human self is a determining instance of this cosmic creation, a self-determining monadic world. But as such, each self is a self-expression of the historical world. In my discussions with a brain specialist and Japanese theorist, uh, Tadunobu Tsunoda, he pictures the brain as something like Containing the rings of a tree, tracing as, it, as the rings do, kind of the creation of the cosmos, the cosmic rings on the brain, and reflect a, a kind of microcosmos. I think we're seeing the same thing here in Nishida. Each self conscious world is a momentary vector of historical world space which mediates its own objective self-determination within itself, and infinitely determines itself through its own process of self-expression. Think here, I am. I think, therefore, I am. And in this expression, I do, in fact, obtain myself. I obtain being. He says, when I realize my own eternal death, my eternal nothingness, I become truly self-conscious. I am simultaneously aware of a deeper subjectivity behind judgment that in some sense transcends death and participates in eternal life. That is, the grave nothingness, death, becomes a form of eternal life. Taken as an end in itself, the absoluteness of death becomes the absolute. In what sense, then, is the absolute the true absolute, he says, or yes. It is truly absolute by being opposed to nothing, that is, this cosmic dialectic. It is absolute being only if it is opposed to absolute nothing. Since there can be no nothing at all that objectively opposes the absolute, The absolute must relate it to itself as a form of self-contradiction. It must express itself by negating itself. That which stands in relation to itself must negate itself. And in absolute self-negation, then one achieves an absolute. The absolute must possess, he says, absolute self-negation within itself. In this respect, the absolute must be absolutely nothing. And he pictures this, of course he's using this in a metaphorical sense, but God as the true absolute must be Satan too. That is, that the cosmic dialectic taken up in the self can be pictured as God and Satan in dialogue. Our hearts are essentially this battlefield between God and Satan. And yet the self's existential being as a volitional person lies herein. The question of religion lies not in what the self should be as a consciously active being, but in the question of what the self is, not in how the self should act, but in the self's very is and is not. And so this dialectic that we have in Buddhism gets at the essence of man. But the essence, as, as he describes it, is a kind of illusion, illusion here. Uh, the fountainhead of evil, that is existence, uh, arises as an illusion, when we conceive of the objectified self as the true self, he says the source of illusion is in seeing the self in terms of some sort of object logic. It is for this reason that Mahayana Buddhism says that we are saved through enlightenment, so that entering into this dialectic getting at the negation of the self is in fact the ultimate achievement of a final reality. Now this is all a bit abstract, but what I would claim about the thought here is that we're not just playing a game, but this is what you would get in a psychoanalytic view of the self opposed to the self, or if you think in biblical terms when Paul is picturing the agonistic struggle within the eye. Uh, one way of conceiving that is not to resolve it, but to say that that is final reality. Uh, that's precisely what Zizek and Lacan are going to do, but that's also there in Heidegger and Nishida. That is, that Romans 7, the agonistic struggle, the is and, you know, I do what I don't want to, or the law of the mind, the law of the flesh, death and life, stand over not as. Uh, a force of destruction but that is that agonistic struggle is the sense in which a self is truly constituted. Forging Plowshares is a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom by providing in-depth transformative biblical and theological education and discipleship. If you have been moved by this podcast please remember to share on social media. If you would like to know more about Forging Plowshares, would like to contact us with questions, want to ask about how you can get involved, or for more information about how you can support this ministry, please go to our website at forgingplowshares.org.